Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So when it seemed like Jess was the person I was supposed to marry, um, you know, God was pointing me in, in a direction. And uh, likewise, when, when God called me into ministry, again, it was like, hey, I think this is what God is saying. Uh, or even when we, we came out here to, to, to Plymouth Meeting, to, to pastor Plymouth Meeting Church, it, it's like God points us in a direction, but sometimes the, the pathway or all the details that we desire doesn't really come with it. We have to kind of walk in the direction that we think God is, is calling us to. And so uh, when we read our Bibles, we find out that God has a way of getting his point across, sometimes without all the details and information that we want. Author Bob Goff, he, he reminds us that when the angels came to, to Mary, there wasn't this grand playbook of how everything was going to come together. Likewise, when the, the Christmas angels visited Joseph in his dream, the angel, as far as we know, didn't sit down with Joseph and try to explain this miracle. Like, your virgin fiancé is going to get pregnant. You know, they, as far as we know, the angel didn't explain how this, is whole, this whole thing is going to work. There, there wasn't much information given in terms of, like, this is how you navigate, this is how you're going to nego- negotiate this, this situation. Um, instead, they were invited to trust God's message to them. And the same line of, of thought goes for the, the wise men, the magi. God showed them a star. God pointed them in a direction, but he didn't include a roadmap. Again, with a bunch of details and information. And so I would like to suggest to you today that faith, the faith walk, it's this adventure. There is a lot that we don't know. But with what we do know, we can step out in faith. We can step out in this this mystery and and we can uh, do life with this this God that is so big and and beyond us. And and we can have intimate fellowship and and relationship with God. We we can be in union with with God and that's, that's amazing. And the faith walk is this thrilling adventure and it's filled with wonder. And yes, there's questions and sometimes doubt. But it also, there's, there's delight. And then we find out uh, that there's comfort zones that we need to step out of. And God just continues to grow us and he, he moves us and he's, he's all about transformation. And, and he puts people in our life. And he, he gives us his word. And there's the church. And he uses different things in life to, again, he, he points us in a direction and then we, we step out in, in faith. So I'd like to suggest that faith is this adventure. Uh, but let me add to that. It's not a dull adventure. It's not a dull journey that we are on. It's a joyous one. Being in union with God is a really good thing. So in the Bible, joy is attached to singing and shouting, and music, and worship, and, 
and dedication services and festivals and celebrations and serving God, joy can be found in all of those different tasks and projects and things like that. We can reflect upon God and the things that God does with joy. We can eat and drink with joy. We can see things with joy. We can travel and move and joy. Kids can be a joy to their parents, especially when they're just busting through doors, right? (laughs) Babies can leap for joy in the womb. The birth of Jesus is announced as good news that causes great joy for all the people. So with God, yes and amen, our faith walk can be a joyous adventure. And so this Advent season, I say let's be joyous adventurers. Joyous adventures with Jesus. Now speaking of, of people who went on adventures, today we're going to talk about the Magi. Technically it's after the birth story, but it's typically, you know, it's we, we read about it and think about it during Christmas time. So let's Let's check that out today. You can turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be in Matthew chapter 2. But um, yeah, the the Old Testament is this long story of God working in and through and sometimes even around his people Israel. And then the Old Testament ends and there is this long period of deafening silence Where is God? Is he asleep? What's going on? What about all these promises? What about the prophecy? And then Christmas happens. Christmas happens. Jesus is the continuation and the fulfillment of this biblical story. And so if you love reading the New Testament, you'll love reading the Old Testament too. Because it's it's all one story. Alright? It's all one story. And, And Matthew's gospel account... Matthew begins with a genealogy. And so as you read through the Bibles, if you're, if you're reading in a, in a typically published English Bible, you finish reading this long Old Testament, and then there might be a page that just says the New Testament. And then you turn that page, and then you get to Matthew. And the New Testament starts with a genealogy. You're like, ah, oh, I, thought, I thought we had enough of that in the Old Testament. But this is important. Matthew begins with a genealogy. It's, he's showing uh, that, that Jesus is connected to everything we just read in the Old Testament. Jesus is connected to the Old Testament. He's part of the Messianic line. He's a son of David. He is a son of, of, of Abraham. And, and Matthew, as he's writing out his, his gospel account, he, he tells the story of the, the virgin birth. He's connecting it to Isaiah chapter 7, that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. He's connecting Jesus to Micah 5. He's connecting Jesus to Isaiah 60, that the nations will come to Jesus. And that's, that's what happens when he tells the story, the narrative of The Magi from the East. Magi from the East come to visit Jesus. Again, it's Matthew's way of linking Jesus to the Old Testament here. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem during the days of King Herod. Now, he's not a real king. 
Rome considered him the king of the Jews, but here's the thing, he's not even Jewish. Uh, he is a terrifying, paranoid leader. King Herod was not, not a great guy to, to live under. So he is, he is kind of the, the leader, the ruler of this region of the world when Jesus is born. And as Matthew tells the story, Magi from the east came, came to visit Jesus. Now what's, what's a Magi? Okay, these are ancient astrologers, magicians, perhaps from Persia, Babylon. Um, Maybe they're descendants of the the Babylonian magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers that we see in the book of Daniel. Maybe maybe when Daniel was in Babylon, if you know the story, maybe maybe some ancient Hebrew scrolls were kept around, and and now these magicians, you know, these seekers of of wisdom, they're studying... These Hebrew scrolls, they're, they're studying a lot of things. They're studying the stars. They're, they are seeking things out. We don't really know too much about them. But they know something. And they see this star. And we don't really know what this star is. Is it natural? Is it supernatural? Is it a mixture of both? Uncomfortable with any answer. The Bible says there is a star. And this star led them to go on a, a journey. An adventure. Now, is there any prophecy in the Bible about a star? Do you guys know? Are you familiar with that? There is actually a glimmer of a prophecy. Way back in Numbers chapter 24, Balaam of all people, if you know his story, Balaam gives this little glimmer of a prophecy, something about a star. Okay? So these, these magi, they know their Bibles so to speak. They, they, they have read the scrolls. This star triggers something. They are outsiders of the faith. They see this star, and it is worth it for them to go on this journey. Jesus just has this knack of drawing outsiders to himself. And so this star, it pointed them in a direction, and it got them close, and it brought them to Jerusalem. Now, traveling from Babylon to Jerusalem, let's just say that's where they were coming from. That would, that would be expensive. Most likely, it was a big, big group. Okay? The, the three wise men, that's not in the Bible. We don't know. But most likely, it would have been a bigger group. And so they traveled, and, and they get to Jerusalem. That's, that's where their journey takes them. And they ask the city folk of Jerusalem... Pretty directly. They say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, Herod hears about this. You know, he's, again, he's, he's a paranoid leader. He's probably keeping tabs on a lot of people. He knows what's going on in his city. And this disturbs Herod. And also, these strange visitors from the east also disturb the city. And perhaps the city is disturbed that Herod is disturbed. <laughs> so Herod, he consults with the religious experts. He calls in uh, the, the professors and the pastors and the, the scribes and the teachers, the Sunday school teachers. He, he brings everybody together and he asks, where, is, where will the Messiah be, be born? And here's the thing. They know the answer. Oh, yeah, it's Micah 5, 2. Micah 5, 2, the, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. 
And there's not really a read on them. And perhaps this is my imagination, but they kind of seem indifferent here. So Herod, he calls in the Magi, and he tells them, hey, go search carefully in Bethlehem. And then when you go find this king, come back and report to me. Now we know Herod is up to no good. He is, he is scheming something. He has murderous intentions here. But the Magi, they continue on. Their adventure continues, and they see the star again. Or at least, that's kind of, it kind of seems like how, it, how it's read. Like they lost the star, but here's the star. It, it, it's here again. They, they see the star. When they see the star, they are overjoyed. Overwhelmed with joy. This deep inner gladness. It's like fireworks going off. Like they are just so excited This star brings them to the house. Somehow they found the right house, or I don't don't know how the star did it, but it happened. And they enter the house, and they see the child, perhaps even a toddler at this point. They see Jesus with Mother Mary. And do you know what they did? They bowed down, and they worshipped this little Jesus. Noble men of the nations, different ethnicity, look different, probably speak different languages, probably smell different. But they're bowing down to this young Jesus. Bowing is a sign of reverence, respect, submission, showing honor, showing allegiance even. These are men of intellectual authority and wisdom. They, they, they have some type of power and, and wealth. And they're bowing down to this little Jewish child. This oppressed people group in a, you know, not really that great of a place part of the Roman Empire. At least as far as the Roman Empire is concerned. Like, like this is just a very insignificant little house And they're bowing down to Jesus. And then they bring gifts. Extravagant gifts. It's custom to bring gifts to those who you view as uh, as superior. It's a sign of honor. And so is there symbolism to the gifts? Maybe. Probably. There was gold. Gold points to royalty. Kingship. And then there's what? Frankincense. This is a. Um, it, it, this was stored in the chambers of the, the sanctuary. This might be perhaps tied to deity, worship, sacrifice. It was an incense. And then there was myrrh. Myrrh. This was a perfume that had many purposes, but it's a, a spice that's used to prepare. Bodies for the grave. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are costly gifts. These are costly gifts. And I don't know if this is related. This is like a sidebar. But in Revelation 5, verse 8, there is a scene of elders bowing down before Jesus. They have golden, excuse me, they have harps and a golden bowl of incense. So perhaps there's some connection there. You can ponder that one. 
Today we have a sensory experience for you to enjoy. Over here on this table, we have gold, Hershey's gold nuggets, (laughs) and uh, somebody generously brought in frankincense and myrrh, essential oils you can smell. So I encourage you to check that out later. We have gold, frankincense, and myrrh over there. Please check that out after we're, we're done here. But with this unique story, the Magi, their, their adventure led them to this. They brought gifts and they were worshiping Jesus for who he was. And you know what? This Advent season, so can we. In Christ, God has done the greatest search and rescue operation ever. You don't need to be lost. You don't need to try to do your own adventure on your own. You, 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 you don't need to blaze your own trail. Christmas is the story that says God has arrived and God is here to travel with you, to join you in this walk, what we call our walk of faith. God is here to save, to rescue, to show us how to live, to forgive us of our sins, to refresh us, to renew us, to transform us, to set us up right. And we can have joy that we don't need to have everything figured out. We don't need to have all the details, but we are invited to trust this message that God presents to us, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he is God and man That he is the hero of our heart. We are invited to trust and believe. And so this Magi narrative, it it points us in the direction of of Jesus. And it gives us at least three calls to action this Advent season. And before we get into them, first let me just kind of ask. Are you feeling lost this morning? It's a subjective question, but do you feel stuck in your, your faith walk. Maybe even lazy or, or apathetic. This Advent season, I want to encourage you to joyfully yearn for Jesus. That's point one in your handout. And I would argue you can't do an adventure without yearning. Think about it. Try, try to do an adventure with no yearning, no desire, like, like that's, that's not an adventure. Like, to desire, a desire to, to do the trail, to, to go there and back again, to see the waterfall, to, to make it up the hill, to make it down the hill, a desire to, to go home, a desire to, to move into a better situation, a desire to, to be healed. Desire, yearning. You know, yearning is also a, a relational Word. It's, a, it's a posture of wanting to be with somebody. You want to be with the person that you love and you, you cherish. A person who, who brings light and, and life to, to you. Yearning begins by noticing incompleteness. That there is a deficiency. That you have this impediment. You know, and, and Lord knows we have deficiencies, but when we realize 
that, yeah, I'm, I'm needy and I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and I'm not seeing well, I'm not thinking well, and, and my heart is, is desiring something. When we actually pay attention to, to that, perhaps uh, we are the, the prodigal son or, or daughter, when we realize how deficient we are, that is the beginning of the adventure. That's, that's the beginning of the turn and, and yearn for Jesus, desire Jesus. And this is where I say Advent is this tool in the church calendar. On a rhythmic cycle, once a year, we take four weeks to, to recenter, reorient our, our lives to, to Jesus. We do this throughout the year, but Advent, it's a, it's a tool in our calendar to help us to yearn and get excited for Jesus. So it's a simple yet profound question. Do you yearn for Jesus this season? Joyfully yearning, uh, joyfully seek Jesus out. And I think what that means is kind of like, like the Magi. You know, look for, look for the sign, look for the patterns. Listen to the community of faith, read scripture. Listen to the Spirit speaking through scripture. Next, maybe you're trafficking in fear, weariness, maybe you're dealing with forces of addiction of of anything, severe anxiety, maybe you're obsessing over something right now in, in this season of life, maybe you're having some people issues and you're, you're filled with envy or resentment. You feel powerless, purposeless, worthless. Maybe you are just super busy, you're on overdrive, and you're trying to get the presents done, do the parties, hang the lights, bake the cookies. (laughs) Advent is a season that steps into all of that. And maybe you're just feeling like your worship life is dry, You're, you're feeling powerless. Well, this is a worship issue. I would say Advent is an al- al- offers this alternate to all of that. It, it counters all of that. And so our second point is to joyfully worship Jesus this Advent season. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive the King. The King is here. The King who binds up the brokenhearted. The the King who proclaims freedom to the captives. Releases prisoners from darkness. The one who rules with truth and grace is here. And so shout for joy. Magnify his name. Rejoice always. Rejoice. Rejoice. Oh, come all ye faithful. How do you come? You come with, with joy. Joyful and triumphant. So I don't, I won't belabor this this point, but humble yourselves, slow down, pray, worship, worship like a magi, bring glory and honor to Jesus, be intentional, we sing, let every heart prepare him room, and I'm thrilled all of you are here today, because you're saying, hey, this is important to me. This is a time of of orientation, of reorientation, a time to worship Jesus together with the faith community. And so, oh, come and behold him. Come, let us adore 
Jesus. Let Jesus fill up your tank. Let Jesus push back on fear and weariness. Let Jesus give you power and, and rest. And like the, the religious leaders, our world is filled with indifference. Like Herod, our world is filled with ego and selfishness and paranoia and shady schemes. But you know, like the Magi, we can be different. The wise men gave great gifts of, of great honor to the greatest gift giver ever. And we too can give our best to Jesus. And one of the best ways we can love Jesus is to love people. Jesus is the greatest example of, of love. And it's this humble, serving, sacrificial love. And so this Advent season, I want to encourage you to joyfully love like Jesus. We love because he first loved us. Jesus can't love us anymore, and he will not love us any less. So as best as we can, we love like Jesus. Now, sometimes that's really hard to do. And so if you're struggling, if your love tank is low and you're really struggling with that, we we'll go back to point two and worship Jesus. And ask for empowerment. Pray and talk to Jesus. Hang out in the good news. Go back to point one. Yearn for Jesus. Let this, this love build up inside of you. The love and light of Jesus build up inside of you. Because we are to shine forth this, this light. Go out and love people as best as we can. Love like Jesus. It's a love that doesn't rush. It's a love that is... Obviously not unkind or envious, it's not pretentious or prideful, it doesn't keep score, and so on. The Bible says, love never fails. And so give it away like you're made of it. And I believe that when we love like, like Jesus, it, it points to this greater story, this greater authority. It, it, it points that there is somebody higher than us. I believe when we love like, like Jesus... It can, it can radically touch people's lives. Not always. Jesus loved people and, and some of them didn't, didn't bat an eye. Uh, others left radically changed. I believe when we love like Jesus, it, it can lead them to change lives, holiness and devotion. And I believe that when we love like Jesus, that means, yes, we're, we are willing to, to suffer with others. So, with Jesus, life is this joyous adventure. And I don't have all the, the answers. I don't have all the instructions. But that's kind of like God said, like, I'm not going to give you everything. But I'm going to give you enough. And I'm going to put to my son, Jesus, and he is sufficient. This is my son. I love him. Listen to him. Follow him. We need God, we need Jesus, we need his Holy Spirit, we need, each, we need each other. And sorry if this is a cliche, but we need all the love too. So joyfully yearn and get excited. Joyfully worship and connect and joyfully give your best to God this Advent season. Give your best to God by giving love 
away. True love is truly adventurous. And come back next week, because next week is, it's the fourth Sunday of Advent, but it's also Christmas Eve, and we're doing a combo. It is a Christmas Eve service in the morning time, and there's gonna, there's a lot going on next week. You don't want to miss it, but we will talk a little bit more about love, about Christmas love. So joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let's, let's pray.